God is worthy of it all. Let's go ahead and praise God in this place and thank him for his word. Thank him for the praise team, our media ministry, greeters, ushers, and all of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. It indeed is good to be here. And I trust that you've received God's blessing thus far as we turn our attention to his holy word. I invite you to turn and join with me in your copy of God's word to the third chapter of James. The third chapter of James is where our message for the morning is coming from. As we've been walking in our series through this rich letter that the Holy Spirit inspired James to write to the church. We look closely to see how this practical letter can apply to our daily lives. If you've been with us on last week, we talked about how our works are a reflection of our relationship with God. And today, James is going to get even more personal with our practices as believers and part of the body of Christ. But I want you to read with me first, beginning at that ninth verse, and perhaps you can determine from the description what James is talking about. The ninth verse, the third chapter says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be. What part of our bodies do you think James is talking about? Somebody said our mouth or our tongues. Ah, the way we speak, the words that we use, for like that of our works that reflect our relationship with God, our words also reflect our relationship with God. But I have to warn you, as you'll see in James' writing, that our tongue, oh, our tongue's untamable. Ah, our tongue gets away from us. Our tongue needs to be controlled. That's why you heard some pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for truly you are worthy of it all. God, we wouldn't be here had it not been for you. And not you graced us, we would not experience this day. Now we ask, Father, as we turn our attention to your word, after we sung praises unto you, that, dear God, that we might become receptive soil for the seed of your word, that your word might be implanted in our hearts and our lives and applied to our lives, that we might give you glory, that we might follow your commands and love you more and love each other better. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just yesterday on Saturday, we had about uh, close to 2,000 people descend on our campus as together we hosted on our grounds Walk Like Mad, Mad Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. This is our third year hosting this wonderful event that is coordinated by Jeanette and Mike Onkoff. I know they're somewhere out there in the congregation, but God has blessed us that so many people have gathered from Harris County to Montgomery County for this special event. Now, I have to tell you that during this event, uh, we had over 55 law enforcement agencies represented here and at least 12 fire and MSS agencies represented all in this place, along with our community and our families that have been long time involved. And we want to demonstrate to them that Champion Forest loves our community. But if you're familiar with this particular event that we've been hosting for three years, you know then that there is a special activity that takes place during our Walk Like Mad, and that is the fire truck pull. 
Now, I have to tell you uh, that, that many of us uh, represented JV. In fact, I want to show you the JV power pool team. Uh, they, they, there we are. We're the power pool team. That's, that's a team that represented you. Because our feet, our job was to pull a fire truck. And pulling a fire truck exact, is exactly what we did. I have to help you understand this thing. A fire truck is normally 40 feet long, 12 feet tall, 10 feet wide, and weighs between 19 and 30 tons. And together we pulled the fire truck. In fact, we were the first to pull it. And guess what? We were in first place. That's right. We were in first place. That's until the second team came and started pulling the fire truck. <laughs> but, but I admit to you that pulling that fire truck is an easier feat than taming the tongue. Mm. And yet our words are a witness before God and before others. In fact, when James begins this portion of his letter to the believers, he begins by addressing this as words of warning first to the teachers. Go ahead and look back with me in verse 1. You'll see it there. For James warns in verse 1 of the third chapter, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. Uh, don't miss this. He includes himself in this text. He doesn't exclude himself knowing that he himself is a teacher. And James declared that those of us who proclaim the word of God, who teach the word of God, that those of us who speak on behalf of God, well, we have a responsibility to those that we teach and that we lead. It reminds us. When we approach teaching, when we approach preaching and leading roles, that we ought to approach it in uh, humility and reverence with a deep sense of accountability. That we, as we approach the sacred task of imparting the truth of Scripture, James begins with teachers, and he says that we will receive a stricter judgment. In other words... Teachers, life group teachers, ministry leaders, preachers and pastors, I have to tell you that heaven keeps record of what you say. Now, it's in this context of the church, particularly in the early church, that those who were there, they, they weren't really set up the way we're set up where you have a primary communicator of the gospel that's standing before them and would communicate the word of God. No, typically in the early church, uh, what would happen is individuals, as they felt led by God, uh, would stand within the congregation and impart what they uh, feel the Holy Spirit was leading them to do. Similar to that of the rabbis back in the day uh, that would lead the people through the meaning of the word of God. Well, teachers were, were standing up uh, to lead the people in the word of God, but unfortunately some of them were captivated by the notoriety but never embraced the responsibility. Yeah, they wanted to take the, the responsibility. They wanted to take the notoriety. They wanted, they wanted to take the claim but he didn't want to do it, Doug, with conviction. In fact, the same thing was happening uh, when Titus was, le was leading the congregation in Crete that Paul uh, warned Titus with these words in Titus 1, 10 through 11. He tells Titus, for there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers, 
especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silent since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not teach. Uh, there are those in the congregation uh, that were ambitious for what Paul Tripp described as the dangerous call. They desired credibility without responsibility. They went after the validation and wanted to be validated. by. But let me just tell you that the higher you get on stage, the closer you are to the spotlight. And you can feel the heat that's on the spotlight because the reality is the heat is on you when you stand and teach God's Word. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I know all of you want to be up here. I, I, I know you do, uh, but when it comes to weight and responsibility to teach correctly, because God holds you accountable. Amen. Oh, if you're in any position of teaching, whether it's leadership and preaching, teaching, life group leaders, a ministry leader, a supervisor, an educator, a coach, that you ought to take your role and responsibility seriously. And be mindful of the impact that your words and your actions make upon others. Amen. Because as one writer said it, he said, our words make worlds. And you can relate to that because as you think through your life, oftentimes our lives are shaped by the positive words and encouraging words that we've heard from others. Or our lives are assaulted and diminished by the negative words we've heard from others. Oh, and just in case you disconnected because you read that first verse and you figured that this text is not going to speak to you, uh, let, me, let me go ahead and give you a public service announcement that you are not excluded from the text because you might remember that Jesus himself said in Matthew 12, 36, but I tell you that every careless word that people speak, oh, that includes you too, uh, that people speak, they shall give an account for it on the day of judgment. Amen. Every word that you speak, Christ says, you will give account for it on the day of judgment. And if we're honest about it, there are some words that we wish we had not said. Amen. Oh, let me talk to some real people just for a moment. Uh, there are some things that have parted through our lips that we wish we could catch in midair. And then we, we often say, I didn't mean to say it that way. Uh, but it comes out because the Bible says out of the heart, the, I know I have some Bible readers in here, the mouth speaks. It comes out and God says, everything you say, let me go ahead and put it this way, everything you text, everything you type, everything you send, however you communicate, you will be held accountable for your communication. Ah, so he includes us, as you look back on in the text, for in the second verse, James says, for we all stumble in many ways, all of us. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put the bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships. Also, though they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the wheel of the pilot directs. Verse 5, so also the tongue is 
a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Oh, James is talking about your tongue. No, not just your neighbor's tongue. He's talking about your tongue and how your tongue is used. And to illustrate the power of the tongue, check out what he does. He gives an analogy of a bit, the bit that goes into a horse's mouth, that as heavy as a horse is and as large as a horse is, that that horse can be driven, can be directed by just a little bit that is stuck in the back of the horse's mouth. It could turn it, it could steer it. But he says, now, if you're not caught up on um, horseback riding Texans, he says, then look at the ships, because a ship, no matter how large that ship is, that ship is governed by an attachment and a fixment of a rudder that turns, and as a result of that rudder turning, it directs the ship, because the truth is that our tongues, well, our tongues have power. Amen. And first thing he tells us is that we ought to look at the power of the tongue. It has the power to direct. In fact, our tongue directs lives. It directs the trajectory of our lives. What comes from our tongues affects how we live and how we encourage others to live. Your tongue has power. There's power in your tongue. So you ought to be careful how you choose to use it. Oh, Proverbs 21 and 23 says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. I feel some wives are nudging their husbands right about there, right, 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 right there, right there. Uh, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. But look closely at the text as James points out to us the power of the tongue. Look at where it emanates. What is the source? Because the text says that wherever, latter part of verse 4, wherever the will of the pilot directs it, that's where it goes. So the question I have to ask, you and I, is this question, uh, who's the pilot of your tongue? Because if the pilot of the tongue is us, then that means that we say whatever comes to us. Don't look at anybody right now because you might know somebody like that where they say whatever comes in their minds. They say without really critiquing what they're about to say. They just go ahead and say it, and then they tend to uh, have a disclaimer. You know, that's just the way I am. I just tell it like a T.I. is. Uh, they just, wrong crowd. They, they just say it, right? He says, he says we ought to question who is the pilot of our tongues? Who's giving the direction of your dialogue? Hmm? If you roll back the tape and all that you have said in your lifetime, uh, who is most reflected in the words that you use and the phrases that you say? See, each word seems insignificant, but together they would determine the trajectory of our lives and who it is we represent. See, uh, with, with words, with words, you, you can land a career. With words, you can lose a career. With words, you can get engaged. Uh, with words, you can become unengaged. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to help you understand this thing. Uh, uh, with words, you can, you can build a family. Uh, with words, you can... You can destroy a family. With words, you can lift up. With words, you can tear down. 
And we ought to be careful because the power of our words can direct, but he also shows us that it can also destroy. We're still in text. Because he says in verse 5, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire. You didn't close your Bibles, did you? He says the tongue is like uh, a small bit. The tongue is like a small rudder. And then he says the tongue is like a small spark that starts a great fire. You might remember that it was in August of this year uh, that we had to witness uh, the, the peril that happened there in Maui where 3,000 structures were destroyed, 86% of them were residents, uh, and over 2,000 acres were burned, and they, cost, they, they estimate about $5.5 billion in damage, taking the lives of over 100 people, and the evidence shows that the fire that consumed Maui was started by a single spark that came from a down power line. James says, your tongue is like that spark. That our tongue, if we're not careful, uh, can consume, destroy an entire generation of people. Come on, let's be honest about it, because some of us right now are still going to therapy and dealing with some of the things we heard other people say, and they may be dead and gone, and yet it's still affecting your life today. Why? Because the tongue can, mm, it can destroy some things. And he's telling us as believers that we ought to be very careful how we use our tongues. Uh, it's still there, because he goes on to describe it this way. He says, verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, straining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. He's, he's not talking about just other people's tongues. No, he's, he's talking about us. He's talking about how we use our mouths, how we speak, saints of God. He's speaking about us, and he uses fire because fire is a good illustration of the effects of tongues. Because in it, you see the world of unrighteousness. That when you really look at most of the sins in the world and the evil that is done around the world, that's characterized of the fallen world that we live in. When you look at covetedness and idolatry and blasphemy and, and lust and, and, and just greed, when you, when you look at expressions of anger, typically it comes from our tongues. And he says, if we could, if we could just control our tongues... It can control every other aspect of our being. If you control your tongue, it, it, it would control how you express your emotions. If you control your tongue, it, it would express how you really look like you're striving to please God. I wish I could sit right next to you and I'd tell you, you ought to learn how to control your mouth. Ah, because the tongue, the tongue is a gate through which evil influences of hell can spread like fire to inflame areas of our lives and areas that we touch. Amen. And if we're honest about it, 
Right around here, we ought to plead with God for forgiveness because all of us, if we're careful and, and really evaluating our lives, can be honest that sometimes we use the English language not to build friendships but to make enemies. And God knows that we have used our words in such malicious ways that we have destroyed lives of others. Don't look to nobody else. Look at yourself because he's talking to the church and he says, church, how have you been communicating? Ah, because uh, Proverbs 11 and 9 says, with his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor. But by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. Uh, he, he, uh, James uses as an analogy uh, a blazing fire that is started by the spark of the tongue. Well, I told you that we had um, firemen uh, that were re represented on Saturday. So, you know, uh, when, when you're a preacher, uh, when you talk to people, everything becomes homiletical content. And so there I was. I was speaking to them about fires and about how fires start, about how fires spread. And I asked them, uh, Brother Jim, I said, uh, well, how do, you, how do you tame a fire? He said, well, one of the ways we tame the fire, he said, we get, get a control burn. He said, we get, we get a, a fire control burn or fire line that we start to consume all of the accelerants so that by the time the fire spreads to that fire line, then that fire is extinguished because the line is there. And some of us right now, you've been doing that. You've been building a boundary around your life. That's that fire line that you've been building. I, I'm not going to listen to that no network anymore. I'm not going to go on social media anymore. You, you set that fire line for yourself because you want to honor God with your speech. But then the fireman told me something, Shannon, that caught my attention. He said, but sometimes the fire is so aggressive that it's untamed that it jumps over the fire line. Well, come on, let's be honest about it because sometimes we set up those boundaries, but there's some stuff on the inside. Am I talking to myself in here? There's some stuff on the inside of us that every now and then, you're on Sunday, you come to worship, but by the time you get in the parking lot, something just jumps over your fire line. Or by the time you're navigating the highway and somebody cuts you off, then all of a sudden some, wor some words jump out of your fire line and the fire begins to blaze and destroy. And I looked at the fireman and I said, well, then what do you do in those moments? He says, oh, in those moments when the fire jumps over the fire line, we have an aerial firefighter that gets in a plane on high and he drops down an accelerant down low. So what's on high falls down low and it takes care of the fire below. I'm trying to help you understand some things here. That when you find yourself jumping over the fire line, you ought to look up and look to God and say, God, I need you to drop some things down low and take Take this fire out from my tongue. Oh, he says, because our tongues have power. They have power to direct. They also have power to destroy. Oh, but he's not done there. Because not only does he address the power of the tongue. Look at verse 7. Because in verse 7, he addresses the problem with the tongue. Verse 7, he says, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human, no human being can tame the tongue. Look at the problem. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. The problem with our tongue, is that our tongue is untamable. 
I know we try to control it on our own, but if we're honest about it, our tongue has got us into some trouble. Our tongue, sometimes, have you ever been there before where you kept telling yourself, I need to stop talking, and the more I start talking, you keep talking. You tell, you're telling yourself in your mind, I need to shut up right about now, but you can't stop yourself, and it's, it's untamable. You ain't got to say, you ain't gotta say anything right now. I know I'm in your Kool-Aid. I know, I know the flavor right about now. He, he, he says, our tongue... Our tongue is, it's wild. It, it's untamable. He said, look, check it out. All the animals in creation. He actually pulls back from Genesis where God creates the animals and, and he gets into the same order that God creates the animals in Genesis and gave man, man dominion over the animals. And he says, we have dominion over all the creatures. I mean, even Shamu can be tamed. I mean, e- even, even the tigers can be tamed. I mean, I've seen people tame wild vipers. And, and all kinds of animals. I don't know what lead them to do it, but anyway, they, they, they tame the animals. He said, but you can tame all of that. Mm, but you can't tame. Oh, you're in it here. You, you can't tame your tongue. Church, that's a problem. The problem is that our, our tongue, problem number one is untamable for us. Uh, but the second problem I see here, where he, say, he goes on to say, not only can it not be tamed by humans, but he says it's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. The second problem is that our tongues are restless, poisonous. They're, they're unsettled for us. Restless evil, unsettled in its undertaking, that our tongues react before it responds. It, it makes us grab our phones and tweet things before we know uh, the context of what we're tweeting about. Our tongues lead us to say some stuff prematurely and it often causes permanent damage in other people because our tongues are restless. Our tongues are restless, so it unleashes harsh criticism to children when you get home after a hard day's work. Our tongues are, are restless, so it unleashes criticism to our spouse who we should be speaking to in love. He says, the tongue, the tongue, the tongue, the tongue is, is, is unsettled. That, that's the problem. That's the problem when you, you go home and, and am I the only one here? And, and you got it fed up to hear about everything that you had to go through at work. And then you go through the traffic and then you get home and you see the kids hadn't cleaned their room. And oh, that's just me. And then all of a sudden it comes out. And some of the words, I wish some of the words that were spoken in anger could be taken back. But I've been a witness to see how, how untamable my tongue is and how much trouble it has caused. Hmm. Who am I talking to? Because I really want to ask you this question. Um, what, problem, what problems have your tongue created? So it's important for us to, to learn how, how to come to God, learn how to come to God, because there are even times when our words participate in the wickedness and the works of the devil. Look what he says, because it's on fire by hell. He says sometimes our tongues, our tongues, our dialogue is more demonic than it is divine. What you say that dishonors God is evil at the source. Mm, That's the problem 
with our tongues. So we ought, to, we ought to pray. We ought to pray like the psalmist pray, prayed in 141 and 3. God, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We ought to pray like Psalm 19 and 4. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O God, my rock and my redeemer. Because apart from God's guidance, there's no escaping the problem, the deadly poison that comes with our tongues. Oh, but, but thirdly, uh, I, I want to get this over to you. Um, verse 9, he not only points to uh, the power of the tongue and not only points to the problem of the tongue, but he points to the paradox of the tongue. Look there in verse 9. He says, with it, we bless God. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessings and cursing. My brother, these things ought not be. Check out the paradox that comes with the tongue. He says it has the potential to bless Oh, come on, be real about it, because you've been there. Uh, and it, has a temple, it has a tendency, the potential to curse. We honor God with our words. We sing, you're worthy of it all, but sometimes the words we use don't reflect the God we serve. Mm, and he says, this ought not be. He says, there, there's an inconsistency because we talk to God with adoration and love. But we talk to those who are made in the image of God with hate. See, there's an inconsistency. Well, there, we, there we were. We were having a conversation. My, my oldest son and I, Trey and I, we were having a conversation because typically uh, on, on Saturday he gives me a call and, I, and we talk about worship. Um, Tyrese, what we do is that he's leading a church in Longview uh, in worship. So he's worship, worshiping there and leading them in worship. And so oftentimes I'm asking him about his plan for worship. How is it going? And then he asked me, he said, Dad, what you preaching about on, on, uh, on Sunday? I said, well, son, um, it's going to be a hard one. It's going to be a hard one, but it's going to be a little rough. Uh, I'm preaching about the tongue. I said, I got it down. I got it, I got it down. So I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk to them about the power of the tongue. I, I told them I'm going to talk to them about, about the problems of the tongue. I said, because I'm a preacher and I have to alliterate it sometimes to stick in your memory. Um, and I said, I'm going to talk about the, the paradox of the tongue. Check out what he said to me. He said, Dad, is there anything positive about the text? Because so far everything you said is negative. I said, mm. I said, son, well, I remember that Matthew 12, Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. He says, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And check out what James says. James says in verse 12, as we wrap this thing up, he says, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt ponds yield fresh water. He, he said, can a fig tree, can a fig tree bear olives? Can a grapevine produce figs? 
My son said, Dad, is there any good news in the text? I was, a little, I was praying a little hard, Scott, because I was like, mm, God, it ain't looking too good right here. Uh, I, I've been telling them and I see it, but, but I don't think anybody's going to get excited about what you're saying right here. He said, no, look a little closer. He said, because where did James get this from? He said, mm, a, a fig tree can't produce, that don't produce figs? That, that, that's, that's illogical. Uh, a grapevine that can't produce, can't produce grapes? Uh, that's illogical because I, I began to look closer. He said, where did James get this from? He said, James has been paying attention to Jesus. Uh, come on with me here because Jesus said in Matthew 7, 16, you will recognize them by the fruit or grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Jesus said in Luke 6, chapter the 44th verse, for each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes nor grapes picked from the bramble bushes. Check out what it is. James had been listening to Jesus and because James is listening to Jesus, that's some good news for you and I. Because the only way to overcome the problem of, of our tongue, the only way to overcome the predicament and the paradox that we have with our tongue is that we got to take our attention and look at Jesus. We got to say what Jesus said. We got to do it the way Jesus does it. We got to learn the way Jesus speaks it. Because there ought to be a connection between our worship of God and our words that we use toward people made in the image of God. If God is the source of our new life, he should be the subject of our speech. Amen. What we say should always be godly, welcoming, hopeful, helpful, building others up, uplifting and God-inspiring. So the outcome of our communication with others ought to be that those who communicate with us hear Christ through us. I hope you catch that because the reality is the only way we're going to do that is we look at Christ, learn from Christ, and let Christ abide in our hearts to control the words that come out of our mouths. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Be like the song that said, give me a clean heart that I might serve you. Give me a clean heart so that I might serve you, Lord. Fix my heart so that I might be used by thee. For I'm not worthy of all the blessings that you give me. But give me a clean heart so I will be able to follow you. Amen. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that will bear much fruit. Amen. For apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. So how do I do? How do I deal with the power of the tongue? How do I deal with the problem of my tongue. How do I deal with the paradox of my tongue? God says, you can't control your tongue. The solution is not self-help because no human can do it. Our only chance with this problem is Jesus Christ. Amen. To change your tongue, you got to come to Jesus from the first change your heart. That's the invitation, that you come to Jesus. Because our words reflect how close our relationship is or how far our relationship is from Jesus. 
listen to 1 Peter. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 2. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Amen. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. How do we overcome it? How do we tame the untamable? Look at that latter part of 1 Peter. For you, in your speech, in your communication, you were straying like, like sheep. But now, when you, when you return to the shepherd, when you return to the overseer of your soul, he'll not only change your heart, or to change the words that come out of your mouth. Amen. Should you bow your heads all over the building? Because we're at a place where decisions are going to be made. We're at, a, we're at a place where there it's time for us to respond to what the Spirit has to say. And there's some of us we know as we evaluate our word choices and how we've been communicating that we are not close to God as we ought to be. But today we're making a decision that we, we want to reflect him. Not just in our works, but also in our words. That we want to give our lives to him. I invite you to pray right now. Ask God's forgiveness for the times in which our words did not reflect his goodness. I invite you to pray right now. That you ask God to, to come into your heart, fill your heart. So that he might be the abundance of your heart. So when your mouth speaks, it speaks of him. Father, by your word, we are saved. By your word, we are drawn to you. By your word, we are set free. By your word, we're redeemed. That when you declare upon us that we are your children by the sacrificial work of Christ, then we are made whole. Your word tells us that if any person's in you, they're a new creation. Old things can be passed away. All things can become new. Help us, Father, draw closer to you. That our words will reflect your goodness. Call us out of darkness into the marvelous light and lead us to say yes to the way that you'd have us to live. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're able to stand all over the building. Thank you for joining us online. You're making a decision we hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org slash connect. And hey, 
Of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.